first Thursday night. Somebody say amen. Amen. We want to go to the Lord right now and just ask for God's strength, for his touch, for him to move and minister in this house and to touch needs in this place. Good to be home. I'll talk about our trip on Sunday in both the services and tell you a little more about that if you haven't seen some of the posts and, and different things on, on online. But but uh, we had a great time, Andrew and I, and just God did mar- miraculous things, marvelous things. Man, I can't hardly talk, but uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. Why don't we lift up our hearts and our minds to the Lord right now and just ask for God's strength for him to minister in this house and to move and to touch needs in the name of Jesus. Could you do that? Come on, lift up your voice, lift up your heart. Let's call upon the name of the Lord together. Lord, we love you so much. God, we're thankful for your goodness, thankful for your love, thankful for your mercy, thankful for your strength, thankful for your spirit, for your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I just pray you touch, pray you strengthen, pray you minister in this house. God, do what you want to do. We'll give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor that's due your wonderful, wonderful name. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, why don't you take your time, lift your hands all across this house. Why don't you lift your hands all across this house. Just begin to love the Lord. Begin to worship the Lord together. Begin to lift him higher right now. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We exalt your name. We bless your name. We lean on you, Lord. We depend on you, God. We depend on you, Lord. Do what you want to do, God. Meet needs in this house. Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name it's good to see everybody why don't we take a few moments right now just to greet three or four people maybe give high fives fist bumps some handshakes take your time right now tell somebody you're glad to see them
on a hand clap of praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We invite you, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Touch us and minister in this house tonight, Lord. Do what you want to do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. If you have to give tonight, you can give by way of cash or check in the black offering buck in the back. You can also give online and text to give. Text to give is the easiest way. God bless you tonight. Why don't we stand back to our feet real quick? We're going to dismiss the children, all the children that are going to be involved in the kids' program for their practice tonight. And I trust that all the parents and Guardians and such have been working with your kids because we're only doing two practices, if, if my understanding is correct, tonight and then uh, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. And uh, we're looking forward to, to that Sunday. I do want to make mention, too, I don't believe I mentioned it, uh, a, as far as like a Christmas banquet of such, uh, right after that Sunday morning, we're going to be eating together right here and and do our banquet a few years back we did one right after sunday morning service and that's what we're going to do this year as well worked out really well and uh, looking forward to that again this year somebody say amen 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 well we're so glad tonight to have with us no stranger to christian life but i believe it's been maybe a little over a year or maybe even two since you've been here Probably so, but we're glad to have Luami with us here tonight, and uh, he's going to come. He's going to come and, and deliver and preach the word to us. God bless you richly. Thank you, sir. Hello? Hello? All right. God. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, uh, to worship the Lord with all of you. And I am so happy to be back. It's always a, a good thing to be back. It feels like home here every time I come. And, um, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, I just uh, kind of want to up, you may be seated. Just going to update you, life update, I guess. That way you know where I am, what I'm doing, and uh, you know how to pray for me. Um, so we're, I took a church in uh, a place called Moreno Valley, California. Uh, it is about an hour east of Los Angeles, so it's Southern California. It's uh, warm uh, year round. I think our coldest day is about 50 something degrees, so. That's, it, it wasn't a hard choice when the Lord called me there. Man. Um, but we're, we're doing really well. Uh, we started about, um, so we took a, a small group, that, an existing group that did not have a pastor. Uh, my boys and I came in, and that group has grown. Um, we're, we're, our Sunday attendance is probably around 150. 40 to 150 right now, amen, and uh, God has been, God has been so good, um, church is growing faster than I'm able to organize it, honestly, so, so it, it's a good problem to have, um, we just don't have the kind of uh, uh, 
people in place for, you know, structure and foundation. And so I, I need help in, as far as you praying that God would provide that for me. Um, so we're, we're growing, we're, we're baptizing folks, and now we, we have to try to disciple them, but I'm, I'm one of the only disciplers there. And so I'm going, Lord, how do I, how do I, how do I do this? Um, so we're currently praying for the Lord to empty out some established churches in the area. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Amen. Somewhat. Uh, but we are, we're praying that the Lord will send uh, some people our way that are not, that won't cost us anything. Amen. But um, uh, we're doing good. My son, Caleb, is now in Bible school. Uh, went out uh, uh, this year. He's a freshman in Bible school, and he's doing great. He's starting to preach. And my goodness, it's just, um, it has been incredible to see his growth and how God is using him. Micah is with me, and he has become a, a really good videographer, um, and so that's, that's his ministry, that's his thing. He's not much of a, a pulpit guy, I guess, uh, although I, we, surprisingly, we, he, he came up, they had him come up and say a few words uh, for Pastor's Day, and he shocked me. Uh, you know, he got up there, and he was a natural up there, and I thought, hmm, if, my God, this guy's, I thought he was a heathen for a while, but maybe, maybe there's a chance. And uh, so we're doing really well, uh, doing really well. I am, um, and now uh, let me, let me explain. Uh, we're in a three-bedroom apartment, and I'm paying $3,500 a month. So um, rent, so you guys get a picture of where I am. So yeah, we, we need you to pray, amen, for several things in my life. But, but God has been good. We're doing really well. And um, uh, that's, about, that's about it for the church. So continue to pray for us. Our church is called Vertical Church um, 2024. It's, it's mainly Hispanic, and we're doing bilingual services right now. But in 2024, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we are planning on starting a completely, a complete English service. Um, and so it's like planning a whole different church altogether. And we have about, we have about four uh, all English families attending the church right now. They don't speak Spanish at all. And so that's kind of going to be the foundation for our English service. And um, I, I don't know how we're going to pull this off, but I already told the, the church that we're going to be starting an English service in 2024. So, um, it, you know, sometimes I go, why did I do that? But, <laughs> but we are somehow. And so that's, that's our, next, uh, our next project. And also in 2024, we want to start a, uh, a, a drug rehab, drug and alcohol rehab center um, in Moreno Valley, and that's that's our that's my heartbeat, and I have no idea why because you know I've never dealt with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. But every time I, I see a program, and any time I go to a church that has a program, I can't stop crying, and I just feel like why why do I feel so burdened for um, for this? But I, I heard a message uh, years ago. 
and it still resonates with me now, and that's that if, if you win the people that no one wants, God will give you the people that everyone wants. And, and that's what I have been preaching to the church. Listen, it's going to get uncomfortable around here because who wants to be in a church with, you know, certain folks that come in and don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't behave like you, don't smell like you. Um, and yet, and yet that's, that's, um, that's what God has placed in my heart. And that's part of the anointing of, of the Christ as he came to preach the gospel to the poor. And, um, I am, um, I am, I am really, really looking forward to what God is going to do in that area. So that's my life update. That's why I'm not, I, I haven't been around, um, uh, for as long as I have not. Um, but that's pretty much my life update. And I, I, um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It, it feels like old times and, uh, and it, it gives me that familiarity, you know, spirit. You, you need that from time to time. Amen. You need that. So I'm glad to be here. All right. Let's go into the word of the Lord uh, this evening. I'm only going to take about a couple of hours of your time. <laughs> uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And I'm going to read verse 5 through verse 6. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 through verse 6 and when you have it say amen if you don't have it say woe is me Hebrews chapter 13 I'm going to read verse 5 through verse 6 and the Bible reads a show in the name of Jesus Christ I think I read out of the New King James version it says keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Amen. What can man or mere mortals do to me? Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would help me to bring it forth in a manner that is understandable, and that your people will not only listen and hear, uh, but that they would appropriate what your word uh, says and let it bless us in a special way, I pray here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. My title here tonight is um, a little longer than a title should be on a Thursday night, but just kind of bear with me. It's the peril, which means the danger, uh, the peril of longing for what God has not given. The peril for longing for what God has not given. So as I stand here before you today, I can't help but reflect on the many blessings that God has graciously poured out over my life. Um, I have a safe place to call home, a very expensive home uh, for the matchbox of a home that it is. But it's a home. It's still home. It's not decorated well, but it's a home. And it's just three dudes living in a home now. So you can imagine the bare walls and, uh, you know, the basketball hoop on the on the in the living room uh, but it's home amen 
I have a, a beautiful church to pastor. I have two adoring boys who love and serve the Lord. I have nourishing food on my table um, and friends and family to love and serve. Y'all, can I say God? I don't think I have said y'all since I've been here the last <laughs> time. God has been good to me. And yet, if I'm completely honest with you, there is a persistent yearning within me. There's a, a desire for more. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about spiritual things. Um, I, I'm talking about earthly things, earthly blessings. Is, is that just me here tonight? I, I don't know. I, I feel like a characteristic of the human spirit is that it never ceases to long for more. Always striving, but never arriving. Ever pursuing, but never ensuing. A relentless quest and never at rest. I worked hard on that. I, I mean, I, I think I'm satisfied. I think I am. But many times, now, if you, don't understand, if you don't know my whole story, if you're new to me, then let me explain. I've, I've been a single father for the last 11 years of my life, all right? So I don't want to shock anybody with what I'm going to say next. I don't want you to go uh, context. Um, many times, as a single man, I, I find myself longing for a romantic relationship, I say many times. I shouldn't say many times, but sometimes, seldom times, I find myself longing for a romantic relationship with a Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, ministry prioritizing, God fearing, family loving, devil defeating, sin hating, uh, tongue talking, uh, wealthy Brazilian supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just serious. <laughs> and I, I mean, is that too much to ask for? I don't know. Listen, social media has undeniably reshaped the way we perceive and desire aspects of life based on comparison. Comparison. And with the prearranged highlight reels, of people's lives on platforms like Instagram and Facebook, where we are bombarded with images of what appears to be the ideal life, the picturesque vacations, the perfect marriage relationships. And what do we comment on these pictures? We say goals, goals. That's what we want to be. You know, I wish... My marriage was like your marriage. And that absolutely, it, it, it cracks me up. It baffles me sometimes because I remember when I was married at the lowest point of my marriage and you would post pictures up and people would comment, goals, you are one of the cutest couples that ever existed. And you're over here going, oh, Lord, I'd, yeah, if you only knew, you know. And, and, but that's what we post. It's the latest uh, 
gadgets and the stunning physical appearances, well, we don't post that. But, you know, people that have stunning physical appearances, they want to post that. Uh, the constant exposure to these highly edited representations has fostered our comparison culture in which we live in. And so it's not just that we want a beautiful life. We also want and we what we believe someone else has. This, this digital age of comparison often leads to feelings of inadequacy. I don't know if, if, if that happens to you, but social media can be a depressing place. Because there are dudes that I grew up with that I know never went to school. They know they, they're dumb as a rock, if I can be honest with you. you know. And if, if, you, if you're watching some, I don't know where the camera is. If you're watching, you're dumb. And we all know that. But I, I look at social media and I think, goodness, how do you have a million dollar home? And how do you drive these cars? And why are you so popular? And how do you, how do you have a perfect family? You're, you're, you're not good. You're not a good dude. And, and so it, it gets a little depressing. It can be challenging to remember that these snapshots are rarely the full story. And many times they're, they're carefully constructed illusions. And, and there is a human tendency in us for long for things that God did not intend for us. And for longing for things that others have. We want more because our peers, our family, our people, are all, they have more. And so we want what they have as well. And, and one of the many things we found ourselves, find ourselves longing for often is something that I'd like to talk to you for the next several minutes. And that's, that's money. Money. In our text, the writer of Hebrews, he begins this passage with a solemn caution. Keep your lives free from the love of money. In other words, dear brothers and sisters, we are urged to safeguard our souls from the spiritual disease often referred to as the love of money. The love of money. Um, another translation puts it this way. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness. So covetousness is equated here with the love of money. And it's as though the Holy Spirit desires to press our faces against the pages of the word to impress upon us the seriousness of this perilous sin that can quietly infiltrate our ministries, our families, our emotional, spiritual, and our mental being. And this issue persists in scripture so that we gain a, a deep awareness of its subtle and deceptive presence. It is a scheme of the enemy. Though we are not ignorant of his devices, it is always there. It is subtle. It is, it's the love of money. We always want more of it. So, so deep is this issue of covetousness that Paul, speaking to the Colossians, tells them that covetousness is idolatry idolatry he commands that church to put covetousness which is idolatry to death kill it 
Mortify it, says the KJV version. Mortify it. In essence, he is saying, if you don't kill it, it will kill you. Idolatry is defined as an extreme admiration, an extreme love, an extreme reverence for something or someone. But that's exactly what covetousness is. Except that covetousness takes it a, a step further. It's not just a strong admiration, love, or respect and reverence for something or someone. It is a strong admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone that is not yours. Something that has not been given to you. Something that belongs to someone else, perhaps. A longing to have what has not been given. Friends, there is no sin in the Bible that provoked God to jealousy more than the sin of idolatry. And if covetousness is idolatry, then we can easily deduce that there is no sin that provokes God to jealousy more than the love of money, than coveting what is not yours. It is seductive. It is powerful. It is cunning. And the Bible warns us again and again, guard your heart from this sin. Guard your heart from the love of money. Guard your heart from coveting. This issue is so destructive that Paul mentions it in the list of qualifications for elders. Elders is the same as pastors. So, um, and, and elders, you know, there was an elder board at most of the local churches. So, so anyone in ministry today, this was a qualification for those elders. The candidate cannot be a lover of money. You cannot be a lover of money. You can't aspire to lead God's church and have a love for money. This sin provokes our God to anger. It is the love of money that has converted many churches into businesses, many pastors into entrepreneurs, many worship into auditions, worshipers into clients, hearts into callous calculators, and the sacred into the sellable. The love of money is a perilous sin. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that there is usefulness in money. Um, there is a great benefit in having money. Money is a great medium of exchange. And the more you have it, the more things you're able to exchange for it. We, we need money for buildings and homes and to feed our children and clothe our families and even send missionaries out and travel. And, and we need money for ministry and, and so forth. I don't deny it. The Bible is not warning us concerning the presence of money. The longing for money is what the Bible is, is really against. It is not the presence of money that is evil. It is, it is the inordinate pursuit of that money. It's not having money that's going to, it's not having money that's going to condemn you. It's desiring it in an unhealthy manner that's going to condemn you. Covetousness, it is a sin often found in people who ironically have no money that's the sin that is usually found in people that have no money so it's not the money itself that is sinful it's the spirit that yearns 
to have it yearns. It longs to have it. It is the greed behind it. It it is the incessant worship of it. It is the idolatry that it produces. And brothers and sisters, we must caution our hearts from trusting in money. We want to run far away enough from this sin till we're no longer skeptical of our hearts, whether we are enamored with its deceptive and addictive tentacles. The tentacles that draw us, that lure us in, the tentacles of the love um, of money. I I know for me, personally, as a pastor, I I have a tendency to equate the size of my church budget to the presence of God's hand. The size of my church budget to the presence of God's hand. And I'm about to... Um, I'm I'm about to throw myself under the bus here today, but it is easily indistinguishable for me. Uh, When I look at the bank account, if we're doing good, then I go, man, that's, that's God. God is with us. God is doing great things. We're having revival. But when things are not as financially, uh, Uh, good for us then I go the other way and I go oh Lord what is wrong with our ministries and why is your favor not upon us and your blessings and and I tend to equate how much money we have in the bank with how much favor God has given has given to us these last uh uh what is it, 16 months or so, 17 months, I've been guilty of thinking success is defined by whether my church bank account has grown or not. And friends, that's exactly what the Bible writers are warning us against. Money should not be the measure of God's favor. Um, I must often read the book. I've got to go back to my word often to remind myself that money is not what I am called to serve. Oh, my heart is so deceptive and my heart is desperately wicked above all things that I must often self-assess. I I must often self-evaluate whether my trust is in God or my trust is in money. I must often check with my heart to see what are the deepest motivations of my soul. I I often ask myself these questions. Would I still preach if my check did not depend on it? Would I still preach? If the church was unable to provide for me, would I still be willing, would I be willing to get a secular job to supplement my income? Would I be willing to do that and still pastor that church? Am I what the Bible calls a hireling? A hireling. Or do I truly preach the gospel because I love seeing souls saved without the contamination of income? If this church doesn't grow, these are all questions I ask myself. If this church doesn't grow enough to guarantee that I will retire Free from financial concern, will I still love pastoring here? These are all the questions I constantly have to ask myself. Where am I? Where's my heart? Where's my heart? See, for me, it's so easy to get caught up in how expensive it is to live in Southern California. 
and how expensive it is to do church out there and how I was called to preach to people in the inner city without money. And that, that is the craziest thing because I'm, I'm living in one of the, you know, the most expensive places in the nation, but I'm preaching and I'm, I'm, we're, we're catering to people who have no money. And, and many of them are undocumented in this country. And to see the drug addicts we are baptizing and, and, and sometimes uneducated who walk into our church every Sunday. And it makes me think, I'll never have a church that can take care of my family and me financially. Uh, and, and then to play the, the comparison game, as I, as I look at social media and see some of my dear friends and co-laborers uh, who have extremely beautiful church buildings and, and nicer homes and acres of land and large donations rolling in and less expenses. And I, I see the families enjoy the best health insurances and retirement packages and, and, and they're set financially for years to come. And I, I, this is not, I'm not knocking them at all. You know, a, a, a laborer is worthy of his hire. I, I'm happy for them. I, I, God bless them. That much more. But uh, when my eyes see it and my ears hear it and my heart internalizes it, I can't help but get anxious. Anxious. And, and as I talk to you about myself, I hope that in, in being completely transparent that you can identify yourself with what I'm saying. Maybe not on this level, but whatever, wherever you are in life. Because you look at some of these things as well. And you go, Lord, I wish I was there. I wish I had that. I, I wish this was for me. And I feel like the grumbling of my sinful human nature, questioning whether I am truly in God's will and whether I am truly a child loved by his heavenly father, it, it, it really messes with me. How easy it is to preach against the prosperity gospel. How easy it is for me to do so. But though I disagree with the theology, at the root of it, my covetous ears desire nothing more than to be tickled by its enticing words. I want my money and I want it now. My sinful soul is soothed by the sound of coins in my coffers. And I have to often force my soul like a loving mother forces her child to eat his vegetables. That was my mother. I have to force my soul to read the text over and over again. Loami, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Don't equate favor to finances. Do not equate blessings to bounty, grace to gifts, the calling with the currency, the sacred with the savings, the wisdom with the wealth. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. If I'm being honest with you, I, I am convicted by the humble example of the Apostle Paul. 
And, and too often, I am tempted to compromise my, my convictions, and I am tempted to exaggerate my anointing in order to keep the money flowing in. And then I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, who was willing to forego donations in order to keep his convictions high and to not be a burden to the churches he was called to minister to. That convicts me. It convicts me to hear him say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, he said, I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. He said, I know how to be abased. Abased means to have very little, to have very little. And he says, I know what that fit. That's a smack to the face to every prosperity gospel preacher out there. When Paul says, I know how to have very little. And then he says, and I know how to abound. He said, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and watch this prosperity gospel preacher. He said, and to be hungry. The greatest apostle to the Gentiles that we have ever seen in the history of the world, one who had the heartbeat of God himself, who was evangelized by Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus, that apostle who wrote more than half of our New Testament, planted churches all everywhere that he went, close to 20 churches, and uh, was given a vision of the third. He went up to the third heaven. Who has ever had a privilege of that sort? And yet he says, I know what it means to be hungry. Hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. That convicts me. It convicts me to uh, read him write to the Philippians that when they were first converted, not one church helped him financially in his missionary journey except for them. It convicts me to read that he didn't desire, even though he was getting no money from anywhere else, he said, he writes to them that he didn't desire their offerings. He said, I don't desire. He said, the only reason I accept them is because I don't, want to be a I don't want to be a hindrance to your blessing. And he said, that's the only reason I'm accepting your offering, because I don't want to be a hindrance to your blessing. But he said, that's the only reason. At 1 Corinthians 4.12, he says, we work hard with our own hands. In, in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 9, he said, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. He, he said, I'm working hard with my own hands. In uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9, he, he said, we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. He said, on the contrary, we worked night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. This is what the apostle did. He, he went out and he worked so that he would not be a burden to the church he was, he was pastoring. Now, you've got to understand, these were not established churches. These were not churches of great money. These were poor churches. And, and, and he didn't want to be a burden to this kind of church. And uh, he was a preacher by night and a tent maker by day. 
so that the church would not feel the financial burden of having to support him. Do you know what this tells me? Here is a man who was free from the deceptive sin of longing for money. Longing for money was not part of his temptation. And I, I understand that in this diverse uh, gathering here, uh, that there are individuals who are facing their own unique struggles. Uh, some among you may be in the midst of financial challenges, working hard to make ends meet. The, the, desire, the desire for financial stability is a very real and a valid one. It, it is a longing that can weigh heavily on our hearts, whether we're yearning to our ch achieve career goals or become debt-free or secure a, a comfortable future of some sort. Um, this is a, a, a very real thing, but can I tell you in this house, it is the longing for it, the incessant thinking about it. It is the, uh, where uh, it leads us to the perilous path is where we unintentionally place money on a pedestal, make it an idol. Uh, it is when we don't have it, it is the, 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 the increasing anxiety over the fact that we don't have it or we don't have enough or we don't have what others in my family or other friends or other couples have. It is that longing that God God says this is evil and it's going to lead you astray and it is when we sacrifice our own spiritual life to gain more and more of it it's when we neglect the Lord's day in order to get more and more money it's it's when we prioritize work over quality time with our children and quality time with our God and commitments to our local church and in our ministry that's when it becomes a problem for us. The inordinate pursuit of money can become a form of idol worship where we unknowingly serve at the altar of mammon. That's what God called it. Um, and so Paul's example is a needed one. Oh God, help us to be free from that constant worry. So preacher, how, how can I live the kind of life that Paul lives here, a life free from the love of money? How can I find the cure for what my fleshly soul desires more than anything? Well, our text gives us the answer to that. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and then here's the answer, and be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. One translation puts it this way. Be satisfied with the present. Be satisfied with the present. Rest in the providence and the provision of God. Rest in what he has given. Um, be content with what you have. There, there are some serious implications in that sentence. If I am to be content with what I have, then a love for money is a deep longing for what God has not given to me. And see, if God is for me, and he is, the Bible tells me he is for us. And if God knows what is good for me, and he does because the Bible tells me he knows what we have need of before we ask it. 
And if no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. And he doesn't. And then that means that if God has not given it to me and he withholds it from me, then what I'm seeking for is not good for me at this present time. In other words, if it was better for you for it to be better for you, then it would be better for you because God is for you. And no good thing will he withhold from them who live and walk uprightly. If the good father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who says silver and gold are mine, who gave Israel the strength to make wealth, who open up, opens up the windows of heaven to pour out blessings that we can't contain, financial blessings that we can't contain. If that God who works all things together for my good has not given me what I've been asking for, it's because despite of my objections it is not good for me it is not good for me or it is not good for me at this current time you see biblical contentment is a state of heart and mind in which a person finds satisfaction peace and fulfillment in their relationship with God. Regardless of external circumstances. Regardless of what's going on around you. You're always at peace. Knowing I have God. <laughs> Biblical contentment is a knowledge. It is a confidence. It is a, a persuasion. A conviction. A certainty. I have been in my thesaurus. Right there. And as the songwriter has it, it is a blessed assurance. And what is that blessed assurance? That Jesus is mine. And that Jesus knows what is best for me. And that Jesus is for me. And that my relationship with Jesus, it comforts my pains. It restores my soul. It rejoices my bones. It refreshes my weary heart. Biblical contentment is the knowledge that after all that life throws at me, it is still well with my soul. That after every adversity, after every trial, after every affliction after every thorn after every storm I can still sing along when peace like a river ascendeth my way and when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul it is well with my soul. Biblical contentment. It, it, it involves trusting God, trusting in his provision, being grateful for what I do have, and not being driven by the pursuit of passing things, worldly things, temporary things, wealth or possessions. These things will someday pass away. In 10,000 years, none of those things will ever matter to you. So why does it matter to you now? Amen. Why are we so worried when you are a pilgrim and a stranger here? Your citizenship is in heaven. For I reckon that the sufferings of this 
present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Why do we worry so much about things we'll only have for 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years? Why are you so worried? You are an eternal being. So how do I cure covetousness with contentment? Contentment. I'll bring this to a close. Give me five minutes and I'll close this. And then the writer of Hebrews tells us why you should be content with what God has given. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, comma, and then it says because. So here he's about to tell you why you should live your life free and and be content with what he has given. Free from the love of money and content with what he has given. Because, and here it goes, because God has said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Is, is that not enough? For us as Christians? Do, do you know what you're telling God when you're still longing for what he has not given? You, you're not enough. I want more. Right? Yeah, you're cool. Like I, I go to church. That's the spiritual aspect of me. But I'm more than that. Like I, I just need more. And God is going, is that, I'll never leave you. Is that not enough? I'll never forsake you. Whether in a mansion or a garage, I'll be with you. And we say, yeah, but. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But yeah, you know, just make sure it's a mansion. Make sure it's a mansion. Um, see, the believer's contentment goes beyond what we see. Our contentment lies on this promise. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. My contentment, my contentment lies not in my possessions, but in my possessor. Not in my possessions, but in my possessor. Have you ever realized that almost every time we see a passage warning us about worry, especially as it relates to money, it almost always, always offers God's presence as the alternative and as the source of contentment. Check, check out Matthew 6. Matthew 6 talks about, it talks about anxiety and worry, but, but honestly, it starts out, the context of it is money. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. That's, that's how it starts. And then it talks about the anxiety that comes from not having it. But what I love about it, 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 it's that same chapter where Jesus says that a man cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is money. A man cannot serve both God and money. You can't have two masters. And immediately he tells you, right after he says that, immediately he tells you, hey, don't worry saying what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear and, and why shouldn't I worry he says because Gentiles that is unbelievers they seek 
they worry, they long after those things. And then he says, but your heavenly father, he knows what you have need of. So what should I do instead of seeking after things? He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. The Gentiles seek after things, but we seek God and his kingdom because God's presence is better than his provision. God's presence is better than his power. God's presence is better. It's better. It is better. It's so much better. It reminds me of uh, when, when Micah was turning about five years old and um, it, it was my, my uh, I think it was like my first birthday that he was going to spend uh, and it, it, you know just the, the where it was just me and, um, and and his mother was not around and I was not planning on being a single dad so when his birthday came along I had already planned to be out preaching working you know going out somewhere that weekend it, it landed on the weekend that year and uh I had to leave to preach at a church and I didn't know how to tell him that I would miss his birthday that year so finally I mustered up enough courage to tell him that I would not be there for his birthday uh, you know I planned it well like I, I planned for all of his friends to be there in the church and the pastor would be there and they would they would celebrate him you know in a, in a special way and I, I rented uh, jumpers and, and all sorts of stuff and they were going to celebrate it at the pastor's in the pastor's backyard and they had a pool and, and people volunteered to bring food the, the, the church the church rallied around me and they 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 were so gracious and and, and I was so happy and I thought man we, we've got it all together like, Micah, you, 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 you got it made. So one night for our nightly devotions, right, right before I left, the next day, I said, uh, hey, Micah, buddy, uh, I, I have to leave this weekend. And uh, daddy won't be here. And as you can imagine, Micah, well, he's turning five. He tried to hide his disappointment. You know, he, he tried to make me think like, oh, it, it, it's, it's okay, Dad. But I could see it. His little bottom lip began to quiver. And he, was, he was trying so hard to tell me, no, 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 it's okay. Like, I understand, but I could tell this dude is broken. He's broken. So I, uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't help it anymore. And he kept telling me, okay, Dad okay and he tried to and then he couldn't help himself anymore and he just started sobbing and uh, and then the sobbing turned into crying and obviously I, I tried to stop the crying by saying oh, oh, oh no 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 I said don't you worry son I'm going to get you whatever you want from the toy department 
when I get back, I'm going to give you the biggest toy you've ever had in your life, whatever you want. What do you want? A bicycle? Uh, what, what do you want? You just, you tell me what you want and I'll get it for you. To which he quickly replied the words that shoved the dagger into my heart. Quickly, he replied without missing a beat that I don't want a toy. I want you. I want you. I want you. How many times do we not tell our Heavenly Father, I want the toy. Give me the provision. Where are the blessings? Where is the favor? And God said, I'll never leave you. Is that not enough? When everybody else turns their back on you and, and walks out, but, but this is my promise to you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Is that not enough? Do we love his presence more than his provision? Do, do we love God's presence more than his power? He told us he'll never leave us. Is that not enough? How about Philippians? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be, know, be, be known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I, I know we know that. But do you know what those two verses about worry are immediately preceded by? This is the immediate context of that, those two verses. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Does that not mean anything to us? The Lord is at Why should I not worry? Because the Lord is at hand. His, he's there. His presence is there. Does that not mean anything? Does that not mean anything? David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's going to bring me out of the... That's not what he said. He didn't say because he's going to bring me out, he's going to heal me, he's going to give me everything that I, that I want and I desire. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'll fear no evil, even if I die in the valley of the shadow of death, but I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. Your presence is with me. And if your presence is with me, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's enough for me. What evaporates our anxiety is not that God will give us what we want, but that he is with us us and if God is with you you already have more than what you want you have him well how do I know that I have contentment show me a person's reaction to God's nose and I will tell you whether that person has contentment 
whether that person doesn't have contentment. Are you wallowing in discontentment? Are you wallowing in depression and disappointment and disenchantment? Or are you singing in the midst of your nose? Are you saying, whatever, whatever I face, whatever the case, oh, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Come on, lift your hands all over this building and say, Lord, help me to be free from covetousness from coveting what is not mine. Help me to be free, O oh Lord, because, oh, I struggle with this. How I struggle with this. I struggle, O oh Lord, because I want, I want and I long not just for money. I long what is not mine. I long for the things you haven't given yet. And I, I pray that you would calm the anxious storms, that you would calm the, the waves of disappointment and oh and how many times I desire the very thing you have said no to like like David when he mourned Saul over and over again and you said how long will you mourn what I have rejected and and oh God my my wicked heart my desperately wicked heart desires it longs for things that you have not given just as of yet help me to be content Help me during this season to say, oh God, it is well with my soul. Help me, oh God, in the midst of life's disappointments and in the midst of life's greatest valleys to be able to say, it is still well with my soul because he said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And when you have that promise, then nothing that can come against you will prosper. What can man do? to me when I have the God of all eternity what can man do to me how can men kill my content how can man kill my contentment hallelujah hallelujah for the next several minutes why don't you go before the Lord and you tell him oh God help me and heal me from all of my longing for the wrong things help me oh God to live after you this altar is open if you want to come for several minutes let's pray with you let's come and say God I desire you more than anything else in my life amen I desire you more than anything else
let's worship him together. You are enough, Lord. Your presence is enough. Hallelujah. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. Help us to be content. Help us to be content with having you. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, God. I pray that you just continue to allow it to speak truth to our hearts and to our minds. We love you so much. We're so thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your provision. Hallelujah. When you put God first, some people want, 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 want. Human nature wants that. Human nature reaches for more, for more, for more. Talked about it a lot that how much is enough. Usually it's a sliding scale. How much would it be that that uh, a level of when you got to there, you'd be great? Well, that's a sliding scale because the more you make, the more you nature reaches for more. Nature wants more. Human nature does. And, and it's a sliding scale. You know, 15 years ago, you know, one level would be here. But then now you're at a different level. And you make different amount of money and you have different possessions and different different things so that scale has now moved up it's usually a sliding scale but ultimately ultimately be content with what you have be content with what you have what you have God has blessed you with God has given you the ability to get what you have and there would be content Paul said whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound I'm, I'm content I'm content and to reach and to reach and to wonder and and, and if you're in one and wondering how you're going to make it, if you put God first, God will always provide. If you put God first, return what's his back to him. Some people have an issue with that. Some people have a problem with that. It's called tithing. It's a tenth. It's not something that we make up in our minds and say, hey, this is what I'm going to give. That's just a tip. That's just a tip. When you put God first, you give him back what is his in obedience unto his word. You get under the banner of blessing in, in, in your life, and then he pours out blessing upon you that cannot be contained. Then you don't worry about whether you can pay your bill. You don't worry about how this is going to come and how that's going to come. And some folks just equate that blessing with finances. It's not just finances, folks. He blesses, blesses, opens up the windows of heaven, pours out blessing. That's on your marriage. That's on your family. That's on your children. That's on your home. That's on your coming ins and your going outs. When you put God first, somebody say amen. 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 Let's put our hands together and clap to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Luwami. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for the word, Lord. We love you so much, and we're so, so forever thankful for every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Could we lift our hands all across this place one more time? Just worship the Lord together. Just love the Lord together. There's none like you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your blessings. We thank you for your presence. Above it all, we need you, we desire you, we want you, God. Hallelujah, you are enough, you are enough, you are enough, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh yes. Powerful, wonderful, not like you, Lord. Hallelujah, bless our lives, bless our homes, bless our families. With your presence, God, we need you. We can't do it without you, Lord. We thank you. We 
thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Oh, yes, Lord. The impossible. The impossible. Hallelujah. Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. right back here. Believe in God to pour out his spirit and do great things. God bless you richly. God bless you richly. Sing, worship, be dismissed in Jesus' name. Make sure you get your kids and take them home with you. Hallelujah. Don't leave them for us. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Jesus, Jesus. your presence. Thank you, God, for being with us. Hallelujah. An ever-present help in the time of need.